welcome back to the Practice Makes Faithful podcast. I'm excited today. We are going to be diving in, continuing with our series, back on track in just a few minutes. But let's do some introductions. I'm Ben. I'm joined here, as always, by Paul Hugobart. Uh, good morning, or good morning for us anyway. Yes. Yep. Uh, Paul, our lead minister at Grace Chapel. And this month, we're also joined by Rob Shaver. It is good to be here once again. There you go. Yes, sir. So, yeah, if you were not with us last week, we did introduce Rob. We had a little bit of discussion, got to know him a little bit better. Uh, But today, as we get started, so at least at the time we're filming it, we are the day after the Super Bowl. Are you all Super Bowl fans? Did you all watch last night? Yeah, I mean, definitely watched it. You know, not necessarily a fan of the two teams that played in there. (laughs) Not a a non-fan either, just indifferent, I guess, to, you know, Bengals, Rams, whatever. But... Yeah, I mean the game's great, right? So, yeah, and it was it was a pretty good game from what I get. Although I have to be honest and admit that I uh, I may have stopped watching at halftime and pretty much gone to bed. <laughs> it was a good game. I watched. As I do fantasy football, and ooh. I had I had uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on my fantasy football team, so I was I was rooting for those guys because I'd been rooting for them all year to do well. <laughs> and for all of you non-sports people who are about to tune us out right now, don't worry. I'm not. I'm not a man of the sports ball either. But I do. I do really enjoy the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's this great spectacle of pop culture. I just, you know, I, I really get into it. But here's here's the most important question for y'all: Is what is your favorite Super Bowl Super Bowl game day food? I put out, and I will say, on our GC Youth Instagram, yeah. I put out a poll on chicken wings and pizza. Okay. And all day, it was it, it was really heated. Chicken wings won it out by one vote. Ooh. It was it, it was pretty intense. But I gotta say, where, where do y'all weigh in? I'm not a youth, but I'll I'll make it by two because <laughs> I'm also going chicken wings. Like if I got a choice between chicken wings and pizza, it's chicken wings every day. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't. I don't think that that like why why would I have to choose between those two? <laughs> that's that's fair. It's true. You could go to one of those places that sells chicken wings and pizza. Right. Same <laughs> time. That in in my ideal situation, I'd have a nice slice of like greasy pepperoni pizza and follow that up with uh, like a half a dozen char grilled wings. Ooh! And if you've never experienced that, then you're missing out. Yeah. I do, I do like grilled wings. I, that I'm looking that. That's, that's a good time. That's a yeah. good time. Now, I also did put out a question about salsa or queso, and I say that was not a contest. Really? Like, queso just destroyed salsa. Mm-hmm. No one, I don't think anyone's voting for salsa. So I've got this dairy. I feel like, Paul, you're a salsa man. Yeah, so I have to, I have to, <laughs> so I would probably go for guacamole and, and salsa. I can't really eat wow. the queso without, uh, Living in the land of punishment for a while. Afterwards, I'm afraid. So we're not, we're not going to flesh that one out further. But, uh, but yeah, the whole dairy allergy thing is not uh, it's not not one of the wonders of life. So all right, yeah, that's great. Let's keep it there. <laughs> that's a that's a great transition for those it of you who tuned in for our commentary <laughs> on the Super Bowl. There you go. You've gotten that. It was a good game. Good time. I enjoyed the halftime show. It, it was fun. It was a fun night. Um, so with that. We will. We're, we're going to transition because that's not the only thing that happened yesterday. Also, yesterday, how do you like this transition? We also had a great sermon in our series, Back on Track, and Back on Track. This is a series Rob kicked off last week. 
Rob, why don't you just remind us, for those who are here, or maybe if anyone's joining us for the first time, what is Back on Track? What's the heart of this series? Kind of set the stage for this a little bit. Back on Track is ideally just an, an exposition of the book, the letter First Corinthians. Okay. And when you when you kind of look at it, big picture, looking what what is First Corinthians, it really is. I mean, a lot of the New Testament letters are very corrective in nature. Mm-hmm. But especially the, the church in Corinth seemed to have a lot of, of big issues and struggles and fights that they were dealing with. So the Apostle Paul writes, writes this letter to them and, and is trying to get them back on track, back where God wants them to be. We saw last week that maybe, maybe we read this and it's easy to get caught up into the issues aspect of the letter, but, but there is an an underlying kind of root cause that that is pull, pulling them away from the ways that God wants them to do, and it's it's just their their worldliness, their selfishness, uh, their their craving after the flesh, and and so the the correction we saw last last week was you know you got to get it's got to be about glorifying God, it's mm-hmm. got to be yeah. about reorienting your life, so it's not about you, but it's about other people, and when it's about other people, Paul says twice once. In chapter nine, and then once in chap- the end of chapter ten, that all of this stuff that he's doing is to help other people get saved. Right? It's, it's all about helping right. people get closer to Jesus to to become Christians. And and so that's that. I think that is the heart of the message to the Corinthian church: is glorify God and help people get closer to Jesus. And so then, then this week we can kind of see, all right, what well, what are the next steps of that or what do we see in the text that might relate to that bigger message okay so let's flesh that out a little bit further as it relates to this this week um can you tell us a little bit more about this week's message and then uh you know maybe set the stage for what will will allow us to dive into some deeper conversation about what what we did talk about this past sunday yeah Uh, when 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 it comes to this week's message one of the surprising kind of insights that that i felt like god laid out there for me was this idea of you know glorifying God and making disciples and and what I want to read into the text is like where I have a struggle you know and and so then I want to assume that the Corinthians had the same struggle that mm-hmm. they that they were glorifying God fine but what they really struggled with what what, what the real emphasis and push that they needed was to get out of the church building walls, you know, or get get out there and, and connect with people that were out in the world and, and help them come to Jesus. Because that, I think, is the struggle of the church today, mm-hmm. and for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, when you, when you start to read through it, it seems that the opposite. They had no problem interacting with their culture. In fact, that's... That was one of the problems. They were over. They were overindulging. They were overly connected, and they they were so tied up into wanting the same things that the culture wanted, and and so the really the root for them was their lack of glorifying God. So what does that look like then, for people that like? So we would be a people that we could say we we're praising God, we're worshiping God, we're glorifying God, but we're missing this evangelism part. What about the people that were very evangelistic, but we're missing the God part? Like what kind yeah, of dysfunction yeah. would that cause? And I think that's that's probably a more accurate description of what we see in Corinth, and so what what Paul was was trying to correct them in. Uh, and so then you kind of see these things in chapter one. Okay, there are divisions and quarrels. What was that? What does that look like? And what does that look like? Because all of this is going to spill over into your other relationships. 
you know, you, the demand and like trying to meet the demands of the people that are around you. And then in chapter two, Paul's reminding them, look, when I came to you, I came to you with a very, I came to you in fear and trembling and a very plain message. And yet, look, you are, you all became Christians. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it wasn't my wisdom or my power. It was the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit that worked in you, that, that convicted you. Yeah, I, I think that's big. I think, you know, uh, certainly I think they did have probably a different struggle and they may even have, as you say, kind of like the almost the opposite struggle of what we have. But I think so much of their story we can relate to or, or some of what the Apostle Paul encourages them to do. I think especially in our setting, um, the truth is in the North American setting, the North American church, the Western church, I think we often struggle to keep things simple. We have a difficult, uh, a difficult time not leaning into things like uh, being clever, mm-hmm. being eloquent. I think sometimes we even hope that, that our words will be what, what is powerful. Um, so obviously the Apostle Paul spends a good deal of time at the beginning of chapter 2 talking about the fact that he did not come to them with eloquent or powerful words, but uh, relied on, on God's strength instead. <laughs> Can you uh, speak a little bit about why you think that was so important to him? Um, you know, the you guys keep throwing curveballs, I think. You know, like you asked the question earlier <laughs> about food, and I know, I know about you know the food at the Super Bowl. For some reason, my brain went to this place. I was like, he's gonna ask me about Super Bowl commercials. So I just started <laughs> thinking about <laughs> you're talking about. Actually, can you just say that question again? Because now I threw myself all, yeah, all so, off. Yeah, so, so again, uh, you know, I think we've got, we have a struggle to keep things simple. <laughs> We'd like to we'd like to go with the things that are impressive, right? Right. You know, certainly I think that's that's big in our culture. You know, especially if you've got you know uh, churches want to be known for specific things, right? And so you may have a communicator; they're known for that, or this church has this band, and they're known for that. This church has, you know, so all these things that we're leaning into that are really attractive, and I don't think we're against being attractive. Sure. Um, but. What what we what the Apostle Paul seemed to really want is that what was most attractive was, I think, the way that God worked in them. Right. There's a a, a quote, and actually, when I looked it up, it, they attributed it to Kyle Eidelman about like what what you what you win them to. Now I can't even remember what, what it was. Win them with is what you win them to. Yeah. yeah what you win them yeah. with is what you win them to. <laughs> Thanks. And. I, I that would be even though the apostle Paul didn't say that. Yeah, like I think that sentiment is true, and that that is essentially what he does say. You know, is, is so that you're not relying on the human wisdom, because if if that's what the basis of your faith is, then a couple of things can happen that will tear that up. One, somebody comes by with better wisdom, you know, or or more eloquent yeah. words, or a, a better argument seeming at the time and so then you say oh I thought I believed this but but that makes sense so maybe I should go that way mm-hmm. you know or the the argument that that you were presented with originally could crumble or the person could crumble right, right. so like I share the gospel with you and you're very moved by that but then my life spins out you know into a huge mess and I get caught up in sin and you're gonna look at that and if your faith is based off of my life yeah. And, and my wisdom, then that's going to hurt hurt that. Well, if it's based off of the Holy Spirit's power, that's unchanging. Yeah. Right? The, the, the wisdom of the, the message of the cross, unchanging. 
the wisdom of yeah. God unchanging. So what do we want to build our house on? And, that, and, and that's why I think this is so impo- uh, important to the Apostle Paul is to let's get it right. Let's make sure the foundation is right so that, so, so that you know, when Jesus says, you know, like when the storm comes, you know, and the, and the floods rise, you can, you can know that your house is built on solid ground. So I do find myself wondering with that, like when we're talking about keeping it simple, of where where's the balance with that? Because I can see, I, I can totally hear that um, and hear what you're saying, that reliance on the spirit and simplicity there to some extent in the way we're presenting the gospel. I love Paul talking about not relying on the eloquent words and such. But then there's also, there's a lot of things in Christianity that are pretty complex that aren't necessarily simple. And sometimes a, a simple answer could be a little misleading. So does simplicity, does that mean we just tell people, well, Jesus rose from the dead and just stop there. That's our whole pitch. Or what, 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 is, what does that look like? How do you uh, navigate keeping it simple? And yet also there's a lot of complexity at times. Certainly, certainly. And and I think even and, and one of the hard things, even like in preaching this lesson, was because I can be the I'm the guy that like if somebody else is preaching and they make a point, I'm like, well, except here, but not there, you know. And, <laughs> and, and you know, I kind of question that, and uh, and so even like when I'm doing it myself, I'm like, well, yeah, you you can't really be formulaic about this, I guess, or say this is how you've got to be in every situ- every single situation, because we have other instances where. This same person that's saying, I came in fear and trembling, and I came with, you know, the, just this very plain message. We see other examples of his speeches in the Bible. Acts 17, I think, mm-hmm. is, is a pretty good example uh, where he's speaking to people of Athens, and it just seems like gold. You know, like, yeah. oh, that was like the perfect yeah. response to those people in that time, in that setting. But again, even if he, if he took that speech and tried to... St- say that same speech to the Galatian church, they would have been like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, like a, like a shrine, you know, like having, setting something. Yeah, like, and so we can't just take, it's not one size fits all necessary, but as far as simplicity goes, that's maybe where, where the, even in our message, there's the things that can change and that, that we can kind of adapt to cultural to be culturally appropriate. And I think mm-hmm. that's another thing that, that Paul talks about in the Corinthian letter here in chapter nine. He says, you know, to the Jews, I became like a Jew, to the Gentiles, yeah. like a Gentile, you know, the, the law abiders, like a law abider, and, and to the weak, to the weak, you know, like I became weak. And so there's a lot of ways that we kind of adjust things culturally, but then there's a core of the message that can never be changing. And that's, that's that never changes. And then, also, what we focused on a lot in the lesson on Sunday is the power that you're relying on. Yeah. And that might be the heart yeah. of it. Yeah. Is if I'm trying to be culturally sensitive, am I now relying on my cultural sensitivity and and my clever words? Or can I <laughs> can I have those to kind of feel like, all right, this is going to help? Or, or like even we've been praying this prayer from Colossians 4, may your conversations be seasoned as salt. You know, So yeah. I, I don't want to do anything that's going to be a roadblock to you getting to Christ. But I can't see my efforts as being the power. That's just, I'm trying to get myself out of the way. 
Yeah. The power's always got to come from the Spirit of God. That's really good. I want to respond to one of the things that you said there. I thought found really helpful is you said that if it's not, there's not a one-size-fits-all formula. And I think so often we try to find a one-size-fits-all formula. I mean, how many books have we seen or campaigns that have come out of like, this is the way to share your faith, to use this approach. And a lot of times those are very well-meaning and done, and a lot of those are very helpful ways mm-hmm. to go about it. But to say that this is the one formula that works for every person just isn't always the case. doesn't seem to be the way that what we hear from the way Paul models it. Mm-hmm. I recall there was this time I was meeting with a friend and just getting ready to just kind of have a discipleship conversation with them. And as I was approaching, just going up to this restaurant where we were going to meet, I have found myself thinking like, okay, what do I need to say? Like, what's, what's the formula that I need to apply in this situation? And I kind of felt convicted by the Spirit in that moment that like, I'm not treating this person like they're an actual person. Like, why don't I just have a conversation with them and in that moment, like rely on the Spirit? And it was great. We ended up having a great conversation and we did get to faith in that moment. But I found myself at first trying to find the right formula rather than just treating them like a person and having this conversation. And it ended up going really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's good to re- reconnecting with, with kind of this, uh, this principle that the Apostle Paul is trying to put forward and even kind of the way that you're saying he, he was able to, um, to find out what was appropriate in what place and what setting. You know, I think, I think you're right in, in saying that it's only through reliance on the Holy Spirit that he was able to navigate that path. I mean, how would he know walking into Corinthian culture how to engage with them? And in fact, it seems like he almost was able through reliance upon the Holy Spirit to anticipate a struggle that was ahead, or maybe he didn't know exactly the struggle was ahead, but these guys end up dividing into different camps. This church ends up dividing into different camps to follow specific people. Um, and, and can you imagine if Paul had tried to come in eloquence, how much more of a following he might have created for himself? You know, yeah. we believe that Apollos was a, an eloquent preacher, uh, you know, from history. We seem to kind of know that, obviously. Peter was engaged there as well. Uh, of course, they knew that, that they were all talking about Jesus, but you got this kind of you know division into these four camps. You know, if if Paul or any of those guys had actually come in a way that pointed people to them or not, as opposed to Jesus, what what kind of a, a greater problem that could have created? Obviously, they must have been culturally predisposed to some of the issues yeah. that they they fell into. Um, so I'm going to kind of use that if I could to shift gears just a little bit, but since we have been talking about culture to maybe touch on uh, on our culture, you know, you talked yesterday a little bit about, um, I say yesterday, yesterday for us, obviously, um, but you talked this Sunday about the danger of trying to appeal to the culture around us and the way that we shape our messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, I, you know, I, when you were talking about that, I just was sitting there with my head nodding. I, I, I really connect with that because I think, um, I think that is something that is a real temptation for us within within the church. You know, we're concerned of getting to that place where uh, where we're not messaging in a relevant way, or where we seem to be drawing lines that are, are you know, that sometimes are actually very truly scriptural scriptural lines. Yeah. But, but we're afraid of 
keeping people at arm's length. And so I just would ask you real quick if, if maybe you could give some examples of how we in the church sometimes fall into that trap and, and, and what maybe the danger is when, when we do fall into that kind of a trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, I'll just throw in there what popped in my head was rejection. As, mm-hmm. you know, as, a, as a side note, a lot of people will talk about uh, in like fearing or not not being excited about sharing their faith because they fear rejection. The heart of that, though, it can be really telling. If you've thought that or if you mm-hmm. think that now, think to this next question: it, Are you fearing that that person is going to reject Christ? Or are right. you fearing that that person is going to reject you? Mm. And yeah, that's good. that that motivation, because it's like I don't want them to reject me. That's what makes us really want to soften the gospel, yeah. Right? Like and and kind of have have the more clever yeah. approach is yeah. because I want to kind of go about this in a in a very tactful way, so that so that you don't just write me off as a right. person, uh, and and there's a lot less concern is like because even if you don't accept Jesus, then maybe we could still be friends, you know. Like so, how, and and so I wonder if if that's not at a a, a shift that wouldn't be very convicting for us to try to think through that like oh yeah. what I really should be concerned about is if they accept or reject Jesus uh, that goes that kind of goes to it you know the cultural traps that we might fall into would be uh, I mean very very similar very similar to what these people were dealing with so there's kind of a political element where they, they kind of gathered into different factions maybe Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't have that in individual churches as much, but we can certainly do it. Like, and we're in the Atlanta area. There's a couple of big churches. Somebody could easily be like, "I go to Andy Stanley Church. I go to Louis Giglio." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never, never met the man. Uh, yeah. Only seen his name in, in words. But, yeah. So, like, I know those are, and and there's more than that, right? There's more right. names that exist in this area yeah. that people would kind of. And, and use that to prop themselves up. We've seen it in our world with Republicans and Democrats, right? Like people atta- like mm-hmm. attaching their political party with their faith and that causing huge divisions in the church. But then also that becomes, because that becomes how you identify your belief system, right. that becomes an outreach mechanism too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, like this is who I am. I'm a... Republic, you know, I'm a Christian, a Republican Christian, or a Democratic, and because, the, and why? Because you're trying to appeal people to to people that kind of think that way. Um, so it's it's taking it away from and and the argumentation that Paul's saying when we make it about the other things, then we're robbing the cross of its power, yeah. right? And so so because yes. now it's more about what do you think about this issue or that issue rather than do you follow Jesus. Uh, so there's the political things that he talks about in the beginning. Uh, there's. Can you give an example of where where the Corinthian church was doing that? For those who maybe didn't hear the message or like of, yeah, what, what were the specific examples of how you may have seen them, how they were trying to appeal to the culture? Um, I, well, you know, if it's couched in this kind of idea of maybe maybe they were actually actively trying to make disciples but lacked the glorifying of God, uh, then it's, it becomes a very natural thing to see how that spills over. So even like with the quarreling over who they were following, mm-hmm. that, well, that can become, that can be very internal, but that always will spill out 
externally. Mm-hmm. So I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow Apollos, I follow Christ. Is uh, then that be can that can kind of become incentive? Like, oh yeah, come with me because I'm in this camp, and yeah. this camp is better for these reasons. We see that in the U.S. with denominationalism, yeah. right? I mean, not maybe mm-hmm. not so much today. Maybe more so when I was growing up. You know, that was like everybody kind of felt like they were the right church. You know, like yeah, we've yeah, got it right, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 we figured it out, and that created a lot of separatism and a lot of even like where people started evangelizing, not to people who were Christians, but to people that were at a different church. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. man, you're going to the wrong church. You got it, got it wrong. You got to come <laughs> to my church. We got it right. So, uh, so, so the internal struggle kind of spills out to the external. I think, and we'll get into this a little bit next week. But where the the following argument in chapter one, he talks about Jews demand signs and and the Greeks are looking for wisdom. Well, so he's kind of put it here's the here's the the appeal that these people are are looking for. This is what appeals to these different groups. And then we just see like, well, what? What were the gifts that uh-huh. the Corinthian church was really looking for? They were looking for eloquent speech, which they received. Chapter 1 uh, talks about that. In, uh, in verse 5, uh, I was reading, it said that, you know, you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, all kinds of eloquent uh, speech and knowledge. Uh, you know, so, and, and then speaking in tongues, you know, which, mm-hmm. which was a sign. And even the other things, the other gifts they received mm-hmm. that you can read about, a lot of those things we, we talk about now is like those are miraculous, right? Mm-hmm. Like healing and, and so not just knowledge, like people are smart, but special revelation from God. So the, they were seeking that stuff and receiving it, but it almost seems like maybe not in a genuine, like we want to glorify God and make disciples, but uh, we're, we want to make ourselves known. And so then, then the very end of chapter one, he's like, so you're... The implication is that they were boasting because he's like, you can't boast. Like, God did it this way. God chose the lowly people of the world so that you couldn't boast. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and in fact, yeah. if you're going to boast, you can only boast in the Lord. So mm-hmm. the, maybe just some subtle ways from the text mm-hmm. there that you can kind of That's see good. that come out. That's helpful. Um, later on in chapter 5, it talks about, you know, there's this sin amongst you where there's actually a man who is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud. So it doesn't, it, again, a, maybe a little bit reading into the text, a little bit, but that's, you, I, I can't see that as being isolated to just the church. Mm-hmm. Like that, mm-hmm. that it's just internally, mm-hmm. they're talking about that. It's like, hey, look, look at us. Look how, look how far we've come. We can accept this person yeah. that's living in this great sin, but, but that automatically then becomes an appeal to trying to bring other people into the fold. Oh, look at us. Look at our church. We even got yeah. this terrible center here kind of thing. But I think, I think you know, there's, a, there's definitely a, a cultural parallel today where, you know, I mean, we could pride ourselves as churches in being, and just to use it again, this is a cultural buzzword, I know, but uh, we could pride ourselves in being so tolerant. Mm. But what's interesting is that, you know, there are churches in Scripture commended for not tolerating evil among mm-hmm. them or immorality, especially mm-hmm. when it relates to sexual immorality, seems to be something that Scripture talks to often, but culture wants to have just, you know, it's, it's open season on, on sexuality, on gender, on, other, on, on these other issues where, uh, where certainly the Apostle Paul seems to be calling the 
church in Corinth, as you kind of been putting it back on track. And so I, I do think, you know, there, there's a lot of validity there and, and a lot of reason for us to be reflective as church leadership and say, are there places where we are trying to, um, we're trying to narrow the gap between culture and the Word of God by actually trying to move the Word of God or the church toward the culture, which, yeah. you know, we, we've, done, we've done for years, but that's not ever how renewal or revival or any restoration begins. So maybe it's, right. it's, it's, not, it's not the most noble of causes, but we could think it is a, a super noble cause. Um, so I, I think that's good. I appreciate that. And we live in a we live in a culture where that, I mean it's so hard for a church to do that right now. Like so, if there's somebody that was a part of a church that was just bl- living in blatant sin, mm-hmm. and so the church, let's say they do everything right and they communicate, and like, look, you you can't. You're just you're living in this this lifestyle. It's not consistent with, with what Christ has called us to. Look, we know we're not perfect, like everybody, but you just can't can't keep this up. And they say, no, I don't. It doesn't matter. I'm going to keep living this way. Well, then you don't. Then you don't really want to be a part of our church anyway. No, I still want to be a part of the church. You know, like so. There, there's kind of these. Well, so if the church finally does, through all of the prayer and conversing and pleading and whatever, they they finally decide. Well, we're we're going to have to cut, yeah. cut you off. You know, like <laughs> cut ties with you. Well, that person can immediately sure. turn around they'll make a vlog write a blog like whatever yeah. Yeah. and and push this out through the the whole and and people will just eat it up look at this yeah. legalistic you know judgmental church they've mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. you know here's this person and they've just chosen to live this kind of lifestyle and now they're being rejected and hated on like and just all these things and and man like those kinds of things. I mean, we've seen them happen over the last yeah. couple of years. And oh, yeah. so, so that, it's hard for a church then not to be aware of the culture around them. Yes. And to not take that into consideration when yes. you're trying to live, be obedient to some of those things. And Paul, in, in, in chapter 5, in that conversation about that guy, he does not pull punches. I mean, he's like, don't even eat with people that are, that are claiming to be in the church but are not living like they're supposed to be. Um, yeah. Hand that guy over to Satan. I mean, right. that, that's, that is harsh language. I think certainly what we probably struggle with when it comes to engaging culture or even as culture encroaches into, into our churches is being those people who find the balance of truth and love or not the balance of truth and love. Maybe we're 100% loving, but we're also communicating 100% the truth mm-hmm. of, of God at the same time. So, you know, it is, it is a struggle, but it is the struggle that we're called to engage yeah. to, to call people to faithfulness. It's really, I just find it really fascinating how well this connects back with the series that we were in before this. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this uh, series, A Better Story, that Paul uh, led. And for those of you all who had tuned into those conversations before, it's really interesting where in the heart of that series, you were talking about what so much of this, the series was about what our cultural values are of postmodernism of deconstruction we talked about all these ideas are cultures really glorifying and the importance to know those and then to live out Mm -hmm. the better story Um, I do think that connects back here where it is important to know what it is that our culture is elevating is Mm -hmm. glorifying if y'all have not heard those past messages I recommend go back in our podcast archive listen to that because if you don't know what those things are, then it's going to be a lot easier for the church to just 
steer into the cultural values, maybe without even realizing it. I mean, if the yeah. Corinthian church didn't realize what what the cultural values of Corinth were, the sexual practices that were normalized or stuff mm-hmm. or, or and such, it could be very easy for them to just steer into that and just think, this is this is fine. This is just this is what we do um, without actually looking at what those practices are. So I just, mm-hmm. think it's an interesting connection that's worth. If y'all didn't hear that message, I would highly recommend go back and listen to our series, A Better Story. So as we come to a close on this, um, I'd just be curious, Rob. What would you say? Like, what are what is something that we can put into practice this week? out of this message our heart of this podcast is practice makes faithful so how can how can we practice to be faithful to jesus the maybe the biggest challenge is just maybe learning how to talk about jesus (laughs) and because because there's two there's two things right like we can we can get so concerned about being clever and, and being eloquent and having the right words to say right. and and what ends up happening is in typically in overthinking is underacting like we don't do because we're just trying to figure it all out on the front end and I, I fall into that that trap you know like oh wait let me read like six books on it first some articles right. watch some YouTube videos let me and mm-hmm. and and not actually ever now I know everything about it, but I'm not actually doing it. And there's so much strength in actually doing it and worth. Uh, and so we can have that fear of like getting it right. So then maybe it's okay, no, it's just look, even so here's the thing is the Apostle Paul, who may, you know, outside of Jesus, be the greatest evangelist the world has ever known, went into this city in fear and trembling and very plain words and the very simple message of Christ and his cross. Yeah, and and a church was planted there. A church that ended up having some issues that yeah. were correctable. And in in Second Corinthians, you see that they did respond in some favorable ways. Like, uh, so it's still existing and, and things go there. Um, but so to take courage from the life and example of Paul. So now our conversation could easily throw somebody back here. Oh well, he was very culturally sensitive, and he was aware of these things, and he did tailor the message to kind of fit the audience. But he did all of that relying on the power of of Christ. So that that would be the takeaway: can can we do it while relying on the power of Jesus? Um, I wonder if, and I I wish I could remember how they worded it. Um, but there's a little book that I was going through, and they just talked about making, kind of like proclaiming gospel proclamation a part of our interactions. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about so many different things, but but what about you know? Because maybe because it's happened and it's done. Jesus died and he rose, so we don't have to keep reminding each other of it. But the more that we can talk to each other about that, that it becomes something we're pra- we're actually practicing and 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 honing in and getting better at and it's becoming more of who we are and, and what we do and what we talk about mm-hmm. now I you know so I, I don't know exactly what that might might look like uh, but but just kind of in, in glorifying God is you know boasting on God right like so so we saw like that one of the other little points that was made in the sermon uh, on Sunday was that when you when you boast that the Greek word there is actually to glorify yourself. Yeah. 
and and so the turn that we're trying to make is to glorify God and so just finding those little things and giving God the credit and and I think you know some people kind of build that into their lives more naturally uh, but that, so I, that's one start is you know I'm having a good how you doing today I'm doing well you know and not to be you know that guy you know or like not to be annoying to people or whatever like I'm doing well with with the help of the Lord you know or like or God has really blessed me or look at this day that God has given us or the you know God's creation and just kind of taking those things that we can easily just make very simple and then giving turning them to be God orienting and God focused uh, so that that's that's one place and then trying to tap into that power knowing it's not about me mm-hmm um, and if I could share a story real quick, that's uh, so I, I spent 17 years in Utica, New York, and at, at one point, maybe five or six years into that time, we had a, a group come in, a good, great, great bunch of people, and they had developed one of these systems for evangelism, right? So a, a, maybe six or seven Bible studies they could walk people through, and then every night. Uh, we kind of had some training on like how can you connect with people how can you get into open doors how can you and to me I was like oh this is great you know because we're kind of getting the encouragement we'd get a homework assignment now go and talk to somebody and you can even use this class as an excuse like oh I've got to talk to you because I'm doing really but it was encouraging and then it was like this is good because I always wanted to have this one size fits all or not not one size fits all Bible study approach like let's talk and see but now that I actually have some tools, like that actually is prompting me to want to use those tools and like gives me the confidence of I know how to lead somebody through this Bible study. So I think there's a lot of worth in those things. And our group of like 15 to 20 people that went through this evangelism course over the next month, two months, started just having all of these Bible studies. Mm. And so it was really, really encouraging. But then that, after about a month of Bible studies, we had maybe four or five that seemed like these are solid leads. Like these are solid, like people that really seem interested mm-hmm. in, in knowing God. And then a month after that, it was just two people. And the one woman, no, sorry, so we had two people. And then within a mo- another month after that, both of those people had dropped out. Just life stuff that comes out. I mean, you've got the parable of the sower, yeah. and we could, we could just, yeah. yeah, the cares of life, all that. It was all of, all of our work and all of our effort had just mm. seemed like it was for not. And like we were just going to be starting all over with trying to rally the troops and like, hey, let's try to get some more mm-hmm. Bible studies set up and like, you know, I know it's discouraging because none of our, you know, 18 people that we started studying with became Christians. But that, you know, like, but we planted seeds and we went, let's go out and do it again. But in that kind of, in that valley, in that downtime, this guy shows up to church. And the connection was, there was uh, one of the members of church had a son. And uh, the son, and, and, and kind of like a weird, and you know, not to... <laughs> In a kind of a weird, messed up way, actually, was connecting with one of the uh, females in his neighborhood. Um, But in their friendship, knew that that guy, that girl's daughter, that, sorry, younger sister, 
was a little off track with her life, was starting to make some bad decisions. So even this guy, even though he wasn't really living a Christian life, he one day says to her, you got to start going to church. you got to get your life right. And so she does. So she starts attending our church on Sunday mornings, a couple of weeks. Well, this guy that just shows up, he says, I want to be baptized. And we're like, well, who are you? Where did you come from? What's going on? And he said, well, I knew that this girl started coming to church and I'd been reading my Bible on my own and talking to my dad who lives like in Memphis. And I just came to the conviction that I, I need to give my life to Jesus and I want to be baptized. So I called her and I said, hey, you're going to church. Does your church baptize people? And she said, yeah, I'm pretty sure they, they do. <laughs> so he comes and he just shows up. And so I, I say, say all that kind of disjointed story to say like, that to me was so convicting about the power of Rob versus the power of God. Yeah. Right? So like I, yeah. I got all these Bible studies yeah. set up. We were pursuing all of these people. We, we were so excited about all of our efforts and not a single one of those people became a Christian. And then a guy that wasn't going to the church told a girl who lived in his neighborhood, you need to go to my parents' church. <laughs> she started coming. She just, she's not a part of the church anymore. But in that window that she was there, a guy that she knew from high school called her, you know, just this kind mm -hmm, of like, mm -hmm. you know, and um, so it's just incredible, you know, and this, and then, you know, he's been on a journey. He's still a part of the church, but, um, and hopefully I'll even be connecting with him next month. See him. He lives down in Orlando when we go down to, okay. So, so yeah, so, so, so I just throw that out there. Um, there's times that that kind of thing is discouraging to me. Because it's like I want my effort to count more, <laughs> and I'll yeah. get mad at God. Yeah. Like, come on, man! Like we, <laughs> we just we did all this and we tried all this, and yeah. and and so I don't know where some of that effort might, uh, those seeds that are planted, you know, and, and somebody maybe will have some stories, and and maybe someday I'll get to see some of that. Um, but it's man, it's so good to be a part of when God is working, mm -hmm. right? And when God is Love working in people's life, and so humble, and it's so humbling. Which is the reverse of when it's me working and something happens. It can still be humbling, but usually it's kind of like, oh yeah, like look what I did. Yeah. 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 I think that kind of brings us even back to what we talked about last month quite a bit and what we spent a lot of time as a church praying for is that, that God would move, that God would open doors, mm -hmm. that he would, he would be the one who would give us the ability to even walk through those doors, say the right things when the time mm -hmm. came, you know, and, and those are, those are Paul's words. And so... We can see even in his words and his example and his instruction to others, um, kind of that one thing he was calling them to do, which was, yeah, go, go share the gospel, but don't do it in your own power. Do it in the power of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's a really good place for us to land and, and a great challenge yeah. For, uh, yeah. for those who are listening so. this week is to, you know, yeah, absolutely embrace sharing the good news of Jesus, but don't ever try to do it on your own power. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, so yeah, take, take that challenge this week and try to make that uh, very personal. Uh, I want to say as we close, you know, again, we're, we're still a new podcast, and we really do appreciate uh, those of you who've taken the time to leave us a review or a rating. Uh, we love the comments and feedback as well. Uh, again, if you do want to reach out to us, you can do so at, uh, you can send us an email at practicemakesfaithful at gmail.com. And uh, until the next week, uh, we want to say God bless you. And put into practice what you've learned because practice does make faithful.